it a two-point game. Well, here's your mismatch right here. Now it's Luka. Deep three over Welcome back to 77 Minutes in Heaven, the Dallas Mavericks podcast on the Athletic Podcast Network. Brian Damaris here as always, and as always with me, the voice of the Mavericks, so happy and glowing that he's calling games again, Mark Followell. It's been fun, man. It's been really fun to be back doing it, Uh, you know, certainly with uh, and keeping in mind the, uh, you know, the the realization and the respect and understanding of the, the difficult situation that the world is in on a lot of fronts. Uh, you know, so you want to keep that in mind the whole time, but it's, it's cool being back. And, uh, you know, there's a lot we've got to say later on, just kind of about how things have looked down in Orlando and what we're expecting is, uh, real games get started again later this week. Yes. We have our last guest for uh, a good while since we have real games to talk about. Uh, Cash Sheroy joins us from the well and from Cirque du Soroy on the ticket. Uh, he and his team are the people behind the Jumbotron videos that you see. So we get into um, kind of how he puts those together, what are some of the popular ones, how Dirk handled it the first time he was told to put on a crazy wig and <laughs> sing karaoke. So uh, we had a really good story and some some uh, good conversation, rather, and some stories I, I, I'd never heard that uh, from Cash. No, really looking forward to that. So uh, enjoy some Cash Soroy. And then after that, Brian, we've got a lot of basketball ball to talk about that has been played and then we'll look forward to the real games to get started all right let's get to it follow we'll we uh i think our last guest for a while as yes. we've gone four and a half months of uh, no games but we saved the best for last forget cuban forget dirk we have got the man you know him from cirque de Soroy, 10 a.m to noon on saturdays and also from The Well, uh, his video production company, the man behind all of the great Jumbotron videos you see uh, at Mavs Games. Please welcome Cash Soroy. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank Yay. you. Yeah, the skin's, on the, the skin's on the wall that I have compared to Dirk and Cuban. It's just, it's embarrassing for them. Not even close. <laughs> <laughs> well, we wanted to have hey, you what are you doing? Oh, man. You, you know, we, we thought about having Mikey on with you, but that would just, he would just hijack things and take over and. Suck would, the air out of the room. I yeah, know. Trust me, it's my brother. Usual. I've lived with it for years. We need, you need to have your moment in the sun, man. He's out there getting all of the moments in the sun. You need your moment in the sun. He's kicking butt, man. I'm proud of him. He's been he's been amazing over the last uh, several months on the ticket. I'm I'm really proud of him. Yes, sir. So we wanted to get your perspective because we've been talking a lot about you know the broadcast from Orlando and just you know the video presentations and all of that. And we wanted to kind of pick your brain on the videos that you've put together over the years for the Mavs because in traveling around in my traveling and, you know, Falwell has been in every arena, um, you know, to me, they're the best and most creative in the business. And so I wanted to start just with media day because for media day, for us, it's our chance to hear some interviews with the, with the players the day before their first training camp practice. And, uh, but for you, it's, it's your Super Bowl. I mean, it, it is, um, it's really important to you from the well, the, the video company that you put together to make all these videos. Tell us kind of what Media Day means to you and your team there. Man, it is, you know, uh, you can, you know, probably connect this thought to any job that any of you guys have ever had or anybody listening's ever had. There is a day that is so crucial 
and you put so much time, effort, and resources into preparing for that day, and then there is no redo. You know, we we I'll, I'll, we'll get into the the hows and the whys of how much time we get with each player and all that in just a second, but it all comes down to a very short window, and it, it there is no second takes, there's no second opportunities, and the uh, time that we get with these players, what most people don't understand, is that we get. Everything that you see throughout an entire year at Mavs games, we get it in one day. And so, you know, each player gives us maybe 15, 20 minutes maximum. And the chaos and the planning that goes into those 15 or 20 minutes for each player is uh, it's a rush. And it is so crucial for everything that we do. And it's, you know, has, has probably far less to do with, you know, the well and our team and our preparation as it has to do with the players being open and the organization allowing us uh, the freedom to, you know, attempt to do stuff that then they agree to. Um, you know, it's, it's a lot of ducks correctly in a row to make this thing happen. It's chaotic as, as you can imagine, but afterward, it's such a feeling of exhilaration, like, oh my God, I can't believe we pulled this thing off again. You know, you, you said something really important, Cash, and that is, uh, you know, the players ultimately have to get a lot of credit for it, and I'm curious what the since since you only get 15 or 20 minutes, um, you know what the what the buy-in process is like, and and obviously you want to spend that 15 or 20 minutes actually getting footage down on camera that you can use. But I'm sure there's some level of convincing and coaching and uh, theatrical coaching and all that stuff that's sort of going on. So what's the uh, what's the what's the sales job aspect with the players, or do those guys come in pretty much knowing what what you need out of them and ready to go? Well, the thing is, is that we've been at it for so many years now that, and it, it really this credit goes to Mark Cuban and to Dirk, because Mark wants this kind of you know fan engagement, interesting stuff. It, it so ingratiates the players uh, to the fans when they show a little bit of personality and goof off a little bit. So that came from Mark, and the fact that the biggest star over the last decade was on board for, you know, he had ideas too, but in general, it's whatever we came up with, Dirk would be fine with. That transition year with Dirk and Luca was so crucial because the whole new group now kind of understands what they're doing when they come in our room. And it's almost a refreshing, on one hand, it's a refreshing thing. And on another hand, it's an OS moment for them because when they, they don't know one room that they're walking in versus another. And when they walk in our room, they are not going to get hit by the same basketball questions and kind of, you know, regular stuff. It's going to be a, have some fun, let off some steam moment with us, but they also know that they're about to, have a bunch of wigs and mustaches and eye patches and Superman capes and all kinds of stuff thrown on them. And uh, the fact that they know what they're getting into and they appreciate the fact that we're not going to really bother them as the season goes on, they give up of themselves in this moment. And really, it gets chaotic. As soon as a player comes in, I can even you know give you the step-by-step process here in a second if you like. Um, they are like, there's some pleasantries, some hellos, some goodbyes, and then some throw this wig on, say this line, look at me, say it like this. And they, we basically act out the things that we want them to say in the same inflection and the tone and the accent, whatever. And the guys do their best to copy it. And it all happens really quick. And it's a lot of fun. So let's take a guy like Chris Stops, who, you know, he had played in this arena, you know, once a year for a couple of years, but you know, I don't know if he's paying attention to those videos. This is a new thing. He's kind of a put together, you know, not outlandish character, um, is is he like? What's the buy-in? Does he kind of know going in? Has Scott Tomlin, the PR director for the Mavs, kind of said, "Hey, we do wacky stuff in this room," or is he coming in 
cold and and you know how open is somebody like that as opposed to obviously returning you know jj they know the drill but you know how was that with somebody like him kp specifically was a little bit interesting because he had that little half year quarter year with us um where he wasn't playing but he was around and we talked him through scott and the team into being into uh, the euro stepbrothers video was the first one that we did with KP and that one didn't require him to say anything. We do this, uh, we do this uh, exercise where we take a bunch of still pictures and we have them do a bunch of different emotions. Mark Folliwell actually went through this when we did a video for uh, Derek Harper on his uh, Jersey retirement night. Um, and it's a little bit silly, um, but it doesn't happen. It doesn't have them do too much other than make some faces and smile and, you know, whatever. So that was his California role into what we do. And that video turned out great. It's great to watch the players when they're watching the Jumbotron during the game. And when I saw him enjoying the video, it's like, okay, now he gets it. Um, and then so the second year, you know, the first year with a full uh, media day with him, he came in and one of his brothers, um, who's one of his agents, a tightly knit team, walked in with him. And we really like to have just the player on their own because then they don't feel self-conscious. And, you know, we were concerned about everything you're asking about this not happening in New York. And the first thing we did was uh, the Three Wild and Crazy Guys video that we did with him, um, um, Luca, and Boban. And just putting the crazy shirt and the hat from the Saturday Night Live skit and having them dance with the two fingers and say, we are two wild and crazy guys, his brother cracked up off off camera, and suddenly it was all cool. And so... It's funny how, you know, we were in a professional setting. All of our gear is, you know, very high end. and We obviously have our plans together. But still, there's that moment of, will he do this? And then the fact that we did the Eurostep Brothers, I think, is just in. And he was cool with whatever after that. So let me ask you the process. Like, you, you've got, uh, and, and I've seen a glimpse of this, you know, with you guys in the office. But I know there's so much work because, you know, it, it's such a big day where you've got to get everything for the entire year set up. Let, let's just yeah. use a guy like, okay, the Mavs signed DeLon right in July. How do you in the war room with, you know, Jason Seeley and, and sometimes your brother and others go, all right, you know, what do we do with this guy? Like, is this a right stuff video? Is it, you know, whatever. I mean, what, what, walk us through kind of how you whiteboard these ideas. So it's, uh, we all get together and we throw a name out there. We put them on the board and we throw a name out there. And it almost always starts with a pun. That is, that's it. We don't even worry about how, where we're going to go from there. But like the Lone Ranger was one of the first ones that came out for, for him. And we actually shot that, um, but it didn't turn out as good as we liked. So it never happened. And, and that happens in certain cases. But I mean, like we have puns that we don't even know where we're going to go with and don't ever work. Uh, like uh, for Chandler Parsons, we had uh, Parsons of Anarchy, um, and we're just like, okay, that sounds funny, and you can see him on a motorcycle and, you know, whatever, but just because you have that idea doesn't mean that it's going to fit. Um, so where, you know, when John Wick came out and Bobon was in John Wick, we were like, okay, how are we going to do a John Wick and get Bobon in there? And so the first pun or the first alliteration that came out was Juan Wick, and then we're like, oh, for JJ. And then we're like, oh, my God, we're going to turn JJ into Keanu Reeves. And then we'll have Keanu Reeves fighting Bobon. Now we're all just laughing. And the impossibility of that is what turns into the spark of where we write a script. And then we have these lines written down. So when Bobon comes in uh, or JJ comes in, we know exactly what outfit to put on him. And then we've already written the lines that we need for this script to work. And we just have them say those incredible lines, and they go with it, and it comes together. 
You know, there's probably some more in terms of the uh, production process we should analyze. But hearing one of your answers to the question, uh, one of the earlier questions, makes me think of a couple of things to ask you. And, and this is along the lines of the players seeing the video. So bear with me with two parts here. Okay, so part number one of it is how rewarding is it for you from a uh, creative standpoint and comedic standpoint to look down and see that Luca or KP or whomever is looking up during a timeout, Boban, and laughing about the video that they or one of their teammates are a part of. I I wish that I could share that feeling with you guys and any Mavs fan that happened to like the video and not even, you know, don't even have a connection to the production of it. Um, the fact that these guys do it, and a lot of times – they don't know what they're doing when they walk in the room, and for a great majority of the time, they've forgotten what they've done by the time that they have left the room and start practice. So it might be we shoot it in beginning of October or whatever, and come February, or in the case of a Boban video that I'm going to tell you about, it's about to come out, you know, July, um, they've totally forgotten that they even did it. Yeah. And so when I get to see them enjoying that moment and the players ribbing the other guy for it, it's just, it's magic that I wish, I wish everybody else could have that, exp- uh, that feeling. Okay, so then my follow-up to that is, is there ever a point in time when that's all going down and you're seeing what a great time the players are happening and then it goes through your mind, this is like a timeout and like an important <laughs> moment in the game and Rick must, yeah, Rick is pissed down there because not everybody's paying <laughs> attention to what he's doing in the timeout and he's like th- thinking, it's that damn Saroy's fault. So I wonder if, uh, <laughs> I wonder if that aspect of it ever crosses your mind that uh, those guys are having fun but it's also a little bit uh counterintuitive to the to the purpose of what's supposed to be going on at the timeout from a basketball perspective you have you're bringing up so many flashbacks over the last 15 years for me i can't even express to you okay there's two things number one jonathan cornbluth who runs the entire aac thing now uh, the job that i used to hold sort of he's made it much more grandiose and doing a much better job than i ever did he's the person that has to decide which video gets run in what time and sometimes we've got a brand new video that we know is a killer i mean you know there's sometimes where they come together and we're just like that thing is hysterical it's going to kill and uh but you know for whatever reason things go bad in the game and the second quarter timeout three comes out which is where the video normally runs and the other team's going on a 9-0 run and suddenly they're in the whole 15 uh you know nothing or whatever and it's just like we can't run this thing now if they do run it at that time, then he's the one that is the lightning rod uh, more often than not um, from, you know, coach or Mark or whoever. Um, on the other hand, you know, there's times where a really good video has run. This happened when I was still with the team. It was a video that we ran against the Spurs one time. I don't remember what it was. Oh, you know what? Oh, I do know what it is. It was we did a video it was during the championship season or Deshaun Stevenson was only there. Was he only there at the championship? Was he only 2011? No, he came in a year before that. He came in at a midseason trade in the 0910 season. Okay, so it might have yeah. been it might have been the year before, but we did a trash talking Abe Lincoln video because he had that Abe Lincoln tattoo on his Adam's apple. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and so basically we had we had Stevenson look at the camera and just turn his head up, and the camera zoomed into Abe Lincoln, and Abe Lincoln started started talking positive Mavs stuff or trash against whatever team happened, and it was really really funny, but it 
was played during a time where the Spurs had made a run on us, and I think Mark saw the video, and it was killed after that just because it's, he, he, he's so emotionally tied to the moment and, and the team what's going on is that when something pops up, when the team's not playing well, that doesn't make, mean that it's a time for comedy and sometimes the video dies. Yeah, superstition is a major player. I know that uh, my family's barbecue restaurant uh, caters the plane back from Houston, and I think in the Avery Johnson era, uh, he canceled Demaris Barbecue after a, a loss because obviously that was the problem, was the barbecue <laughs> right. that was on right, the plane totally. on the way back. Well, let me ask you this. Do, do the Mavs, um, do you have to go through a screening process, or do, you, you know, do they trust you enough now that everything uh, you, know, you throw up there they they just run with we're our hit percentage not that it's a good video but that it is an acceptable i like we we are so it's in our dna now we know what the league will like or take we know what the players will likely do we know what mark's gonna like um you know within a, a very small percentage of time do we miss that so we spent a lot of time, we planned for months before that one day, and the first part of it is a lot of times having a long list of ideas, um, whether it's a music video, a, mo- a movie, something like that, and we usually give a, you know, throw it across the bow, these are the ideas we're kind of going with, and if there's anything that is, you know, objectionable um, for some, a reason that we didn't know about, um, you know, they'll tell us and we won't go for it, but the actual scripts... There are so many of them, and we don't know which even ones are going to work out or not. It really doesn't do us any good to throw the ideas you know, past anybody because even if they get approved, if a player doesn't do the lines right or isn't into it or is in a bad mood or whatever, then that idea is not going to happen anyway. So um, they get approved before they get seen, and sometimes we get notes on, you know, we tell a joke uh, not the correct way or doesn't read exactly the, the way that the fans might see it or the league might see it, and we'll, we'll uh, get it changed. But uh, in general, we've done it enough to where they know that our heart's in the right place, and all we really want to do is make the players look good and the team look good, and it'd be funny for the fans. So I want to get into two um a personal favorite of yours and also what you think, and this is kind of, you don't know, have hard metrics, maybe a most popular, either best reaction in the arena or something that kind of went viral online. One, the one that comes to my mind, and I can't remember all of them, obviously, is the, uh, the hump day one where the right. Dirk's, Dirk's running through going, Mike, 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 and, and, and you kind yep. of shot for shot reenact that. I, that. That's one that I've always just absolutely loved. So tell me your, your favorites and maybe a most popular. Well, that would, that it would probably be the most popular. That's got 2.4 million hits or whatever on YouTube. So that's the one that connected the most dots um, with people. I mean, biggest star, most pop culture, you know, thing. Uh, and Cash then, put you know, himself in that one. You know, he had to had to well, had to have a little FaceTime. Well, you know what's funny is that that is actually the last video that I did as an employee of the team, and I had never put myself in any video. And I just knew that I wanted that one played straight in, in a certain way. And uh, Fallen was in that one as well, actually. Yeah, I remember. Um, and, uh, and there's an extended cut, a uh, behind-the-scenes cut of video that's out there that, that I just I love watching because that day was so insane. That idea actually came from uh, Steve Chavera, uh, who's still with the team now as a photographer. He's a great guy. He's got the trust of the players. And Dirk would go around saying hump day, uh, like the Geico commercial, in the locker room and in the, in the uh, gym when he would walk in. And he came up with the idea of calling it. He's like, well, could we do something where you switch it to game day? And I'm like, man, 
we could bring him in the office and do the whole thing shot for shot. And uh, Dirk agreed to it like he always does and uh, came in in his flip-flops in his uniform and just that day was so insane. Because he'd be walking through the office in his full uniform. (laughs) Right, right. Right, and everybody's acting like they're like it's a regular day, like the office TV show. Everybody's just acting like this is normal, and Dirk is here to. He's so excited about game day again. I get it. I'm just trying to do, do my spreadsheet here, and Dirk's got to bother me. Um, it was it was a really really fun shoot, and it hit, checked all the boxes. So obviously, that's uh, probably our most uh, successful. Has there ever been one uh, that I mean that that's made it there that? you wish that you could have had back or that uh, it's like it it was a good idea and I wish I could have had a a redo on the lines or producing it or anything like that. What's been uh, one that you look back on that didn't turn out the way that you had hoped that did make it to, to, to air, if you will, for lack of a better term, to live performance. You know what? I, I, I can't say there are several, I mean, there's several really good ideas that, and I, there's not one that comes to mind. I mean, because literally this happens every single year um, where, it, you know, we just, you know, because we want to even it out. We, you don't want to make every single video. Uh, the entire team is important. Each player plays a critical role in winning. Well, it's the same thing in, you know, marketing or whatever. We don't want to make all videos Luca videos or all videos Dirk videos. So sometimes we, you know, write a script for, you know, a JJ or a Jason Kidd or whatever. Jason Kidd's actually a good example. He wasn't really into these things and wasn't really uh, uh, gregarious with the lines and stuff like that. It just didn't didn't fit for him. So, I mean, there's sometimes that we come up with, you know, ideas for big stars and they even kind of want to do it, but it's just really not, not in their DNA. Um, not one really sticks to mind that we wish we could have, that we wish would have succeeded. Um but uh, I, I can tell you that that happens virtually every year, that there's something that we think is going to kill and ends up just uh, lying on the editing room floor. Yeah, you know, as a frustrated wannabe stand-up comedian, uh, there's a phrase we use called kill your babies, which is like, you know, you have a joke that you just absolutely love and it never works. Like you try it out kind of right. at open mics three or four times and you're just like, man, this is so genius and, it, and you just have to stop doing it and sometimes some of these ideas I'm sure you come up with you know you just uh, they, they just don't work but you want them to work so bad but I do want to talk about we've mentioned Dirk a few times and, and I mentioned this to you on, on the hard line uh, the day of Dirk's last home game you know we've all kind of been blessed to know him for a long time and have seen that funny personality like you said the way he goes in a locker room and says hump day and things like that and he's always been like that but obviously early on he you know he struggled with the language he wasn't comfortable enough in his game and then I think Nash taught him a certain level of playing straight to the media kind of not really saying much in a monotone way and so when Nash left he you know he got his MVP he was more comfortable in his skin the English was better and then you know I really think a lot of what we love about him is that self-deprecating personality and having fun. And, and I think a major way that we saw that was through your video. So explain kind of when you started, you know, what year you started and when, you know, how receptive he was coming in uh, and, you know, just some of the, you know, I'm sure a lot of the things you had him do, he had no idea the references you were even referring to. Oh, dude, that's, that's the funniest thing with Dirk. We turned one of my favorites. uh, We turned him into Willy Wonka. And, you know, just the thought of Dirk 
seven foot. We had to find a purple jacket that was big enough and the orange hat and all this stuff and the wig and, and the cane and all this stuff. And we're putting this stuff on him. And Dirk would always be like, what? what are you guys doing to me? You know? And it's just like, ah, this is, we're making you uh, Willy Wonka, you know? And he goes, who's Willy Wonkers? And I'm like, I'm like, you don't know who Willy Wonka is? No, no, I don't know. I go, how about Gene Wilder? He goes, oh, I know Gene Wilder. I go, okay, we're going to make you Gene Wilder. He goes, oh, okay. You know, and he doesn't even, it doesn't really register with what that means or what we're going to be doing here. And he has to talk about Oompa Loompas and he has no idea what that is. Um, but he, he, he was just, it's a trust that's built, right? I mean, listen, the videos, I started in 2010, the 0910, 09010, 0910 season. Um, and the team had already been making these videos. Again, that goes to Mark and, and, and the creative people, obviously, before us. Um, but I don't know that we did so many of them in-house. I think they were farming it out to a couple of, you know, uh, other companies that, you know, maybe weren't around the players as much as we were. And so that might have been a little bit of a difference. But, um, you know, once these guys see what comes out of it and the fans like it and the players like it and Mark likes it. It just becomes part of the culture. And Dirk was just, just amazing through all the years that I got to work with him. Um, it was a, it was an important, important thing for my company just to have him, you know, be able to trust us. Hey man, I, I, I said this in the, the open letter that I did for Dirk for his last game on Fox sports Southwest last year. And, and, you know, there was such a special connection that happened between Dirk and the Mavs fans. And you yeah. know, we, rooted, we rooted in 2011, not just for the Mavs to win a title, but it was more just the whole city was unified in the whole idea. But I really hope they win it for Dirk. And, and I got to tell you, and I, and I said, you know, we love him because he's this nice guy and he's a great basketball player and stayed in Dallas in his whole career. And all part of that is that there's so much about his personality that I referenced is the goofy guy on the videos that America. American Airlines Center, and then that's yep. just, I, I, you know, I, 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 I don't know that this is a question as much as it is a comment, and I, I know that sometimes it can be uncomfortable to talk about yourself, but, but in cultivating the, the, the larger-than-life figure that Dirk is to all of us, man, you did have, I mean, you know, you had a role, a, a significant role in that, because so many people grew to admire so many things about Dirk, and one of the things that they admired was he did have a, have a sense of humor and he didn't take himself too seriously and he was willing to do those things that made him relatable to Mavs fans when he's uh you know doing pineapple pen guy on the <laughs> on the, on the video board at American Airlines Center you know <laughs> well I, I oh god that was that was a great one too I love that um I I hold Dirk in far too high regard you couldn't put me in any more uncomfortable position than to say that I have anything to do with that. Um, you know, I, I just assumed that if it wasn't me, somebody else would have been here and being able to reap the rewards of his incredible personality and character. So, yeah, no, that 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 is something that uh, is kind of air. I'm, I don't, I'm not comfortable breathing in, but um, I will say that, and I've got an example for this too. Um, this is it's a little bit of production peeling back the onion, but it's a story of another very popular video we did that, that speaks to what you're saying about Dirk. He absolutely bought in and, and gave us blanket authority almost because of his buy-in that when we had new players, new players that, um, you know, definitely hadn't been through anything like this before, uh, 
they bought in, and basically all we had to say was Dirk's already done it, and they would go with it. And the best example I can give you is of uh, the Run DMC Can't Be Stopped video with Dirk, Monte, and Chandler Parsons. Yeah, yeah, that's great. And and that was uh, the great uh, Skin Wade wrote that song and, and got that music to us. And I can't tell you from a production perspective how many things had to come into into line and in just the right order for that thing to work. Again, we got each of these guys for 15, 20 minutes. Each of them walked into the room that day not knowing that they were going to do a rap video. They had never heard the song before. And uh, they didn't know they were wearing chains doing a Run DMC knockoff, any of that stuff. So the way that it works is we get the song written well before the day. Uh, Dirk comes in. We tell him we're going to do uh, a rap song. We give him, we have speakers in the room and give him his lyrics so that he can uh, read his lyrics while the music is playing so he knows the timing of it. Then we have him, uh, uh, we put the ear uh, phones on him play the music in his ears so the room is now quiet, and he raps his part with the music that he hears in his own voice. Quiet, it, the room is quiet so that we get the rapping audio, right? Then the third part of it is we need them to vo- uh, you know, uh, karaoke it. So now we bring the music back up in the room, and now we've got his lyrics on cue cards so that he can, now he's heard it three times or four times, and he then sings the song, looking at the cue cards, which are right by the camera. And we do that two other times with Monte and with Chandler. And the fact, the way that those things came together and they bought into it and made it happen that day, that video is probably the most difficult and uh, probably best looking one, I think, uh, of any of them that we've done. Because I can't believe that that one came together. That was a, a long shot. Yeah, run, run DMC. Too, too much Monte is, uh, yeah. I mean, that... that, that uh... <laughs> <laughs> that's vernacular that made it into the broadcast as a matter of fact because we like that one so much that was that was really I good do love that. Uh, I so do I'm, love that. I'm, I'm curious I know that in the bubble in Orlando at the games they are trying to whenever a team is listed as the home team they're trying to replicate some aspects of the home arena uh, yeah. to, to the degree that you can share this you may be bound to some level of secrecy I don't know but I, I don't know if I, I, I'm not going to know if I don't ask are you doing yep. anything from a video production standpoint that will be uh, Maverick-centric for what's going on down in Orlando? Yes. You are? Um, the, okay. sh- the, short answer is, the short answer is yes. We've already created and delivered two new videos. Okay. Um, I, uh, I don't know what I'm supposed to say and not say, so I will say that, um, excuse me, I've had a briefing with the team several weeks ago um, where, you know, they're trying to, you know, give that ho- – as home field of a field, uh, home court of a field, as they could possibly have. Yeah. Um, it is a little bit weird. I have been told that, you know, our library of videos, of which we've done, you know, hundreds over the years, but, I mean, but this team specific, we've probably got 30, 35 videos. Um, those are all being shipped down there. Um, but they're kind of meant to rile up the fans at the end of them. So the storyline doesn't work. But the thing is, is there, the, the, the way that the court is set up is that what you'll see as you're watching it on TV will be um, uh, boards with team logos uh, and ribbons, kind of like you see at the AAC, to make it look like it's you know, Dallas home court. Um, but what the team has wanted us to do is create videos that um, 
um, aren't making fun of the bubble life, but are relating to bubble life in, in a way that the guys will joke and enjoy themselves or get pumped up um, differently than they would if they were at the AAC with fans. And, and so we're, we've done two videos. Um, one is a, uh, a knockoff of a, we've, we've changed the words to It's a Small World. Um, because they're at Disney, and yeah. we've used a lot of the social media videos that uh, the team has been putting out. So when they see all those compiled, we've changed the lyrics and made it very Dallas Mavs and um, Bubble Life specific. Okay. Um, pretty funny. Um, and then we've uh, turned the corner on one that we've been holding on for a while, uh, and there will be the emergence of Bobo Cop. Oh, nice. <laughs> oh, man, I hope we get to see this stuff. I so hope I we're don't able know, to see it. I don't, I don't know what's going to be uh, public-facing like during the games. I assume that the stuff, at the very least, will be put out on social media. Uh, and we've got some other things that we're cooking up right now. Um, but we we had some ass in to try to get the players to shoot some stuff in their rooms. And, you know, they've been busy doing their own thing, so we haven't quite gotten that. But... Uh, yeah, to answer your question, yes, there is new content being created for the life of the bubble. You know, I, I, want, I want to share something with you. And as, as I've done these two web broadcasts that we've done at American Airlines Center and the rest of everything that we're going to do is at Fox Sports Southwest. You guys have been great, great, by the way. Oh, well, thank you. No, it's been... It's yeah, I've really been, enjoyed it. Things, things have gone and come off nicely. And, and I got to say, and I am going somewhere happy with this eventually, but, but you know, <laughs> doing the games has been fun. But it's been very, very, I mean, it's almost been like heartbreaking walking through the catacombs of American Airlines Center because the trash cans are all, like, stacked and the chair. I mean, you can tell it's just like nothing has been touched for months. And yeah. it's sad seeing the arena and that state and knowing how much we all want to be there uh, being part of the atmosphere and things like that. But it, but it, but yeah. seeing that does remind me of this. And, and, and you know, we're, we're going to be back there one day and, and you know, it, life is going to get back to normal. And, and one of the last games that we did at American Airlines Center, we happened to be playing the Memphis Grizzlies. And Brian mentioned a moment ago about, you know, our experiences in other arenas and what we see and how we think, you know, what we do here is great. And But, but, but we're biased. So here's the story I will tell you. Brevin Knight, the very talented analyst for the Memphis Grizzlies, taps me on the shoulder because we're sitting next to each other basically with the broadcast set up during a timeout. And he says, what you guys do, and he points like one of the funny videos, but, I, but you know, he meant more than just that. Everything that goes on right. at American Airlines Center. He said, compared right. to everything else that goes on in the league, what you guys do here for an entertainment product is is the best in the league, and it's not, it's not even close. And so, uh, you know, we, we can say that all day long, but we're biased. We're your buds and everything like that. I thought you would want to know that uh, that from the Memphis side of things, and that's somebody who told that directly, and it's very top of mind for me, like I said, because it was – it was literally uh, one of the second, second to third last home game that we played before, before the season got stopped. So it's not just us. I mean, it is noticed around the league what you guys do in terms of adding to the American Airlines Center experience. Well, I really appreciate that, and that is something that you know, being a kind of behind the scenes production person, you know, we don't really get in the uh, positions to even you know hear those things, which is you know, so it's very nice to hear, obviously. But it did happen to us one time just recently um, that that it, it was shocking to me. Um, and you, since you guys mentioned uh, Dirk's last game, um, one of the jobs that we had 
in the ramp up to that um, was we did a 41-21-1 video uh, that I think ran at halftime of uh, Dirk's final game. And we got to shoot with Barkley and Hakeem Olajuwon and Pop. And, I mean, we went all over the country um, shooting messages um, for Dirk for, you know, the 41-21-1 messaging. And one of the guys that we got was um, uh, Paul George. He was still with the Thunder. And uh, we drove up to Oklahoma City and waited for practice to be over. And he came in and sat down with us. And, you know, you know what we're doing here? Yeah, I'm doing something for Dirk. And so he explained it. And he did it uh, his part for us. And then he goes, so you guys work for the Mavs or whatever? And, and I'm like, oh, I used to. But we now make kind of the funny videos. He goes, you make the videos where you put them in, like, music videos and in movies and stuff? And I'm like, yeah. He, is, he goes, I love those things, man. I wish they did them here. I, man, I love it every time we go to Dallas. And so that was one of the few times that a visiting player I've ever been into a situation with, um, you know, kind of connected the dots and, and gave us a little bit of love for that. So that was really sweet and, uh, you know, makes makes your heart well with pride because, you know, Jason Seeley, who's my partner, is just a, a wicked editor and storyteller. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of times we come up with crazy ideas that are only half-baked and he fully bakes them. And to hear that from somebody that uh, isn't even involved uh, is pretty, pretty cool. Well, Cash, uh, kudos to you and Jason and everybody there at the well. Uh, you can hear him on Cirque du Soroy 10 a.m. to noon on Saturdays. And you'll see uh, Bobo Cop and some other of his fine work uh, coming soon in the bubble. Um, thanks for joining us to give us a flavor of what it's like behind the scenes. Thanks, man. You guys rock. Thanks for having me. Bottlewell, uh, loved hearing from Cash and uh, loved loved also hearing that we've got some some more fun stuff, including Bobo Cop coming yeah. <laughs> uh, this year. Uh, as we record this, we're watching NBA TV. Um, I, I wanted to get right off the top your thoughts on... Yeah, we're watching a Lakers-Wizards game right now. Yes, yeah. and, and you, we're seeing elements added every scrimmage game. Right now, uh, this is the first game I've seen where the faces are being shown. The, yeah, they're doing the, something through uh, like Microsoft Teams. Yeah, the Zoom-like yeah. faces. Uh, I don't hear a lot of audio from that. Maybe that's another element to be added. Um, but... What what are your thoughts from having broadcast remotely uh, the first two scrimmages? Really positive. Um, you know, hearing a lot of music down there. Uh, it does not feel like. And I think we all, you know, the first things that we watched, of course, were soccer from Europe. And pretty much after one week of the Bundesliga back in May, they immediately started putting crowd noise into their broadcast, and they did a really good job with that, by the way, because it wasn't just uh, a, a, just a one dry track of noise. They were trying to mix in different things that related to events that were happening on the field that sort of fit the mood of what was going yeah, on in the game. That the Rangers groups is playing like after a third strike, you'll yeah. hear the crowd go higher. Yep. Yep. So, so um, I, I certainly understand why they did that and why, why they're doing that in, in an empty baseball stadium. These smaller arenas are kind of playing out exactly as I thought they would. In addition to the fact that there's music there, uh, they also have a lot of mics under the floor. They've mic'd up the floor in ways that you could never do in a normal NBA arena, Brian, because it's a multi-use facility. So the floor is down and then it's back up and then it's, you know, hockey's there and concerts are there. So the floor is being uh, taken up and put back in place so often that you could never mic up the floor in the ways that they're doing down there. So uh, they're still experimenting and it's still a work in progress, but but the the arenas have had 
a good amount of energy to them. And it's not like you could tell, it's not like some of these other things that we've seen where it's a sporting event that's taking place in its normal venue that's completely empty. So it has this sort of cavernous, empty feel to it. So my opinion on, on how the broadcast have gone is, you know, uh, you know, I'm used to doing remote broadcasts from soccer. Uh, it's not an adjustment for me. Uh, everything's gone great. You know, Harp's all cool with it. Skin's going to be with us on the broadcast uh, of the next game, the scrimmage game that we do against Philadelphia. So we'll have our whole broadcast team together. And uh, there are unique challenges to it. But all in all, I felt really good about it. So you see the NBA adding different elements, as I mentioned. Uh, I think yesterday's game had a PA announcer. Yes, they did. So they did announcements. You know, if it was a Mavericks home game. So he was more excited when, the, you know, you'd hear Luca from three and things like that. I, mm-hmm. I don't hear that in this Lakers game we're watching now on Monday afternoon. Um, but you're hearing music now playing yep. uh, constantly. Uh, I, I haven't heard a lot of crowd noise piped in. Correct. I don't know if the idea is these faces, you're going you're gonna to play live feeds of them or whether those are kind of fake faces and there's just going to ramp up noise uh, because I think uh, when, you know, when you see tweets from certain reporters who are in the arena, um, you're basically just hearing bench yelling and the music right? And, and if there's PA. So I think they're waiting for the real games to kind of incorporate everything and they're trying out things. Yeah, that's, I think that you're exactly right about that, by the way. One that, of the things yeah. that just, and this is a total just aesthetic nitpick that's bothered me is that there's no writing on the baselines, you know, mm-hmm. as we, there's no Dallas Mavericks or anything. So there's a, a big empty gap between the stanchion and the baseline. Mm-hmm. But I did see uh, in this Lakers game that they're trying out, they don't have it the whole game, but they're just trying out a, a digitized Los Angeles Lakers on the baseline and a Lakers logo inside the three point line, kind of like the Mavericks have on their home floor. So that may be something aesthetically to kind of, help out as well. And I understand that that is, that sort of stuff is going to happen. And also from, uh, uh, I don't know if aesthetics is the right word, but, uh, from a finances perspective, uh, you know, there will be logos that will be digitized on the floor that are sponsor related and, and digital signage and things like that, that are all sponsor related to the home team. So we're going to see that start to get implemented more too, as things move forward. But I think they're doing exactly what they said that they would do during these games, these scrimmage games. And, uh, some of it is experimentation. And then some of it is just not, uh, unveiling everything that they have planned for the, the, uh, seating games that will get started later this week. Well, I was, uh, you know, it, it, both scrimmage games were on NBA TV, um, and, uh, but I was listening to the Mavs.com Thank webcast. Thank you. We appreciate that. Uh, I think my favorite moment was, and I don't know if you've done this before, uh, Threeba from Kleba. Is uh, that a new one? <laughs> uh, somebody suggested that one to me right before the, the, about two weeks before the season shutdown happened. And I said, and, and I normally don't, uh, solicit suggestions and I, I that one and many many years ago whenever Ray Felton was here uh, somebody suggested this one to me and I ran with it which was when I would say watching uh, watching whip watching Ray Ray okay and so everyone you know I, I don't like to, to crowdsource things too much because then I would get like thousands of suggestions but somebody hit me up with three from Kleba uh, uh, several months ago. Well, I hadn't and heard I that, it. and it yeah. gave me a chuckle. <laughs> I liked it. So, uh, you know, some of the things that I, I do and try, they only happen one time. 
Uh, some of them come to me when I'm not at the game. Some of them come to me like as the ball is in midair. Uh, you know, and some just... of them come from your postcards that you write Jim <laughs> Nance style ahead of time. <laughs> some of them come from that. Yes, I, I really actually don't do that. But no, I just uh, that was one that uh, was a suggestion to me, and I said, you know what, I, I think that's kind of cool. I'm gonna. I'm going to try it out. And some of it is, uh, you know, things that I've heard uh, some other people do that I think can, with slight adaptations, can fit for the Mavs as well. So it's, uh, you know, I'm glad you liked it. Yeah, I'm glad you're not starting to use bang or anything like that. <laughs> I've used that one a few times before. Yeah. But, but that's, uh, that's, the, that's the property of Mike Breen, but, but there have been times when it's fit. Well, this is the portion of the podcast where I pat myself on the back. Yes. I, uh, one of the way, way too early. We need a sponsor for this segment. Yeah, for yes, this part of exactly. It. <laughs> one of the way too early trends in uh, that that uh, is happening is in the Maz world at least is uh, good three point shooting. You know, one of the concerns was that you know these guys haven't played that much. How would their shooting be affected? Well, through two games, and I take out Josh Rees and Cleveland in this because I want to talk about players that are probably going to be playing most of the rotation minutes. Understood. Uh, the Mavs are 27 to 67 for 40% from three. And this is my, the reason I pat myself on the back is a few weeks ago on the podcast, I mentioned that maybe because of the smaller arenas and not having distractions from fans that uh, this might be a benefit to shooting teams. Mm-hmm. I think you swatted that out to half court, but I was, I, I don't was, think I did. No, I I'm just giving you a hard time, but I was a little, <laughs> you know, I, I really do I really did think that this may be a possibility. And again, way too early. We're looking at two games worth of, of data, but there have been quotes from a couple of players to, to, to this effect. You tweeted this out a few days ago, uh, Seth Curry, because he did go eight for eight from three uh, mm-hmm. in the first scrimmage game. Um, he said, after that game, I was getting good shots, nothing too crazy. Guys were finding me setting good screens. The background is a good sight line from pretty much every angle, and it's not too deep of a depth perception, so that felt good. Yeah. So he's basically saying exactly that, that these, you know, not only it's actually smaller arenas, but because of the boards, the video boards that are put up to block the empty seats, it's even more tight. So it's kind of like a, almost like you're in a practice facility. Yes, absolutely. Uh, Buddy Heald said something similar, that mm-hmm. it was that the the – background made it better for him to shoot and he shot well in his games uh the the caveat is a defenses aren't playing at you know playoff level intensity Mm -hmm. that's one thing so you're getting more open looks the other is with these faces now that are going up with with and those are moving images of heads you know cheering and shaking their fist or whatever will that be a distraction a little bit i don't know but if you're a Mavs fan, just a few percentage points increase uh, is a good thing if this is something that, you know, if Seth is just feeling better in that environment and or, and the rest of the players. I thought your observation was really good. And, look, there's a reason that we always, you know, hear them talk about on the telecast, for example, when the Final Four, which is always now played in these cavernous dome stadiums, yep. and they talk about the adjustment that players have to go through when they're playing, when, 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 when the Final Four is being played at the Alamo Dome in San Antonio, uh, and people used to talk about the Alamo Dome when the Spurs played there, about what a difficult background is, or when the Final Four 
or is it NRG Stadium in Houston or whatever and the challenges, or when it was here at AT&T Stadium in, in Arlington, the challenges of that. So I thought that was a great observation on your part and, and the stats at least very early on. I mean, incredibly small sample size, so we'll see where it all goes from here. But, but certainly it bears it out. And it speaks to me, Brian, of a, of a bigger thing that through two games of watching the Mavs and the other games that I'm seeing – I went into this expecting that because of the length of the layoff and the restrictive nature of what transpired during the layoff as it relates to how much real basketball activities you could replicate uh, in the quarantine situations. And as we know, I mean, look, we, we've discussed it. Maxi Kleba told me in a Zoom call back when we were doing a, a charity event on a Zoom call in May that he hadn't shot a basketball in two months. Uh, so, so, you know, obviously did, you know, start getting in the gym when the Mavs opened their practice gym in late May and things got better from that regard, uh, in terms of being able to do normal basketball things, or at least somewhat individual normal basketball things. But I think given, given those obstacles of layoff and the restrictive nature of it, the quality of play, the lack of sloppiness on offense, you know, nobody's, we're not seeing these horrific shooting games or high turnover games or anything like that. I have been extremely pleasantly surprised by the quality of play in the scrimmage games in the bubble. Yeah, I have too. I mean, it, it's, you know, that Laker game was Thursday was, I was just astounded at, at kind of how normal, like it did seem. And, and, you know, it wasn't like, uh, I mean, I think you saw starters were, you know, you were starting to see rotate your regular rotations going mm-hmm. in at some level. Um, and I would expect, so Tuesday's game, Tuesday night will be on Fox sports Southwest. Is it will. That right? Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're recording on Monday. So tomorrow night, I this will probably drop on Tuesday morning. So if you're listening on Tuesday, our game, uh, our broadcast will be on Fox Sports Southwest when the Mavs play the 76ers. And so I think you would assume, game. you know, with the next game being Friday, that that'll be a dress rehearsal and that you'll see, you know, the most minutes of yep. of the regular players going in. I think yesterday the fourth quarter was essentially garbage time. Yes, it was. And the, and, and the same thing for the, for the thing on uh, the scrimmage against the Lakers last yeah. week as well. The fourth quarter, you know, was, was essentially just all guys at the end of the bench. And, and you know, it still might be – uh, in the fourth quarter against Philadelphia in the game on Tuesday night. But I would assume that the first half will be played a lot like a regular game and the third quarter will be played a lot like a regular game. And then maybe when we get to the fourth quarter, um, you know, given the fact that Kid Gilchrist and Trey Burke haven't played yet uh, because they were late arrivals in the bubble, maybe Rick's going to want to get those guys a little bit of run in the last game. So, so there might be windows of time in the fourth quarter where it doesn't look like a regular season affair. But, but I think a lot, of, a lot of this game on Tuesday will. Uh, and I don't want to read too much into scrimmage games, but the only thing that I saw, and Rick commented on this too, was in the third quarter the offense seemed to stick. It seemed to be a lot of dribbling and ISO, and, and mm-hmm. that's when uh, things got, you know, things went a little sour. Those are kind of the crunch time issues we've talked about, which those issues come up in crunch time. Um, I think that's a good thing that happened because then Rick will, in practice, will start emphasizing the ball movement and, and, and reminding them that this is kind of our key to success. Mm-hmm. Uh, so um, this concludes uh, Brian's weekly Pat Myself on the Back segment. Well, it was, a good, it was a good segment. Brought yeah. to you by uh, Lemon Pepper chi- uh, Chicken Wings, <laughs> which I know you brought because you're a big fan of those. Fan, you always told delicious. me that uh, when you went through the restaurants uh, early on in a podcast during the quarantine that – you went to Magic City for those the wings, <laughs> so thank. I guess Lou Williams got that note. Yes, he did. He, he he's a listener. I had no idea. Thank you. Um, there are a couple of quick 
Mavs notes before we get to a preview of the first three games. Um, Porzingis did not play uh, on Sunday. And so Rick announced that in his media availability an hour and a half before the game, and he said that he forgot to take his COVID test on the off day. Uh, There was a little bit more of an elaboration on that after the game. And when you miss your test, I mean, you basically then cannot be around the team the next day. And so that was the case. And Rick said that he talked to to KP on Sunday, and he was very contrite and felt very bad about letting the team down. After the game, Rick said, you know, that um, on off days – you know, it, the way this is all managed in the bubble, um, and, and I'm sure Rick obviously, you know, is wanting to, to, you know, make this as soft of a landing for Porzingis as possible because we all hear it's like, well, how in the world did you forget to take a test? Since that's, of course, a yeah, big if part it of were, you know, there. if you hear this from one of the knuckleheads of the league, then you're like, you're a knucklehead. But yeah, this is, I'm not happy this happened, but I'm not pissed either it's just like okay it's an innocent mistake lesson learned it's a mistake but it's an innocent mistake and I thought you know what Rick said after the game was that that you know you have a very specific time when you're supposed to go do it he forgot to do it he said it's easy to do on an off day because you because he said I almost forgot to do it on an off day when we first had gotten here And and he said the most important thing that comes out of it is and thankfully it happened in a scrimmage game is it's a cautionary tale of how important, and Rick was saying this, by the way, when, when the, before the team had even left, that following all the details and the protocols are vitally important down there. And yesterday, uh, with uh, Porzingis missing that game, and because he missed his test on Saturday, that was, that was a lesson. Fortunately, it didn't cost the Mavs in anything as it relates to a game that counts in the standings. Uh, it was just missing a scrimmage game. But I think that's the lesson of it is that that uh, all of the details down there matter. That's why things are working so far is people are by and large part following the details. And then when they do have a trip up uh, an innocent mistake like Porzingis or something a little bit more significant like the Lou Williams thing, then there are consequences and repercussions. Yeah, Lou Williams 10 day quarantine. I think, you know, one of the things is that these tests, they're not knocking on your door and having these tests. You have to go to a central location, a nurse's station and take this test. Right. And, And you're given a, time depending on your practices or on off days you can go whenever they do space you out so not everybody's going at one time uh so that's why you know this occurred um you know and they're, they're, they're they have a schedule you know they know when practices they can't be late they get fined if they're late you know et cetera. Et cetera. um but off days are, are off days they, mm-hmm. they, unless you have some scheduled treatment you can kind of do whatever you want and go fishing like and we see a lot exactly of the, right? you'll yeah. see all the, all the bubble life uh videos so i think I guarantee you there will be tests, text messages uh, team-wide sent out by Casey Smith, the director of play, player development, going on off days going, you know, reminder to get your COVID test. That, that, yeah. if, the, if, if those weren't happening, I guarantee you those are going to happen from now on. For sure. Since, uh, yes, yeah, something, something fortunately fell through the cracks at this stage and not later on. So uh, that won't fall through the cracks again. I think that's a pretty safe assumption. But again, you know, this is really the only slight blemish we've seen anything Mavs related. There are a lot of teams that are going through a lot more knuckleheady kind of stuff and mm-hmm. things like that. That uh, this is a this is a small blemish. The only other Mavericks note uh, that I wanted to touch on was that the Knicks did hire uh, Tom Thibodeau to be their head coach. So that right. takes Jamal Mosley um, out of that mix, uh, but 
it was interesting to note that there were some tweets and Shams had this as well, that um, of the young coaches interviewed uh, Will Hardy from San Antonio and Jamal were, were standouts. Yeah. Jamal Mosley, the yes. uh, Mavericks assistant, one of the, one of the top three assistants with the Mavs along with Steven Silas and Mike Weiner. Yeah. Look, Jamal, so is, say, Jamal let, is head coach material. He, he, he's a when it, not if guy in terms of getting, yeah. being a head coach in this league. Yep. I, I, I've watched a lot of practices and shoot arounds over the years. Uh, Jamal's got a commanding presence during practice. He knows the game. It's very, very clear that players respect him from a coaching standpoint and like him from a personal standpoint. So Jamal has a tremendous future as a head coach if that's the level that he wants to go. And, and you know, I mean, why wouldn't he? Why, why wouldn't you want to sure. do that? So, so uh, you know, whether it's uh, the timing works out or maybe it's something that happens down the line when, when Rick decides that, uh, you know, he's ready to – to take a step back, I, I think we're several years away from that. But, uh, you know, uh, he may have found an opportunity elsewhere before then. But whether it's here or whether it's somewhere else, Jamal Mosley is going to be a head coach in the NBA. And there's a lot of reasons to feel like that uh, if put in the proper situation, that he's going to be very, very successful. you got to have the players, of course. That's, a, that's you know, uh, that's a very, very important part of coaching, and every coach and every player will attest to that. So you got to be in the right situation with the players. But but Jamal's got a very, very bright future to coach at the top level in this game, I think. And we talked to Mike Breen, you know, and I asked him specifically about the coaching decision and more in line of you know what what is the plan if they want to go young, then you know you don't necessarily need a veteran coach for that. Right. This if they want higher, to go young player wise, you're saying yeah. right. If this if this hire, you know, says anything, maybe it is that, you know, while they do have some good young players, um, they might swing for some big fish and try to get some vets in there because I, I think Thibodeau will wear young players down to a nub. Right, so. right. And and obviously he's got, uh, you know, guy, guys around the league that he's got a good relationship with from, from past experiences as a coach. So we'll see, uh, well, yeah, what that might lead to. So uh, you can listen last week to Mike Breen's interview to hear more about that specific situation. And also listen two weeks ago when we had Craig Ackerman, the Rockets play-by-play man, on because uh, they are our first opponent as we get into uh, previewing the next three games. And the reason we're doing the next three is uh, our next podcast will be after uh, the Kings game on Tuesday when we record it. So it'll be up either Tuesday night or Wednesday morning. So plan for that. But uh, we touched on the Rockets pretty much in depth in that one. But... Briefly, um, you know, let's let's talk about them. Russell Westbrook's back with the team. He has played one of the scrimmage games down. Uh, I believe he's actually played both. He played of both them. of them. Yeah, yeah. He had eight points in the last one against the Memphis Grizzlies on Sunday. Uh, in the forty-minute scrimmage, they lost to Toronto ninety-four eighty-three in the first scrimmage game, and then they beat the Memphis Grizzlies on Sunday one nineteen one hundred four. They have one other game, Brian. I'm not even uh, off the top of my head uh, sure who it is, but they've got one other scrimmage game who they're going to play, and then off we go with the Mavs and the Rockets on Friday night at eight o'clock on Fox Sports Southwest. Harden's ready to go. Westbrook's ready to go. He's back from uh, the positive coronavirus test. Uh, the only question mark, I guess, with those guys is Austin Rivers has had to leave the team due to a family emergency. And He's due to be released from quarantine early this week. So, so he'll, he'll have a chance to, to practice a couple of days. So we'll be presumably in a position to, to play in the game on Friday. So, look, that is, um, you know, if you are of the belief that 
it is in the Mavericks' best interest to try to get out of that seven spot and a potential matchup against the Clippers. Because uh, I think the Clippers, to me, look like, you know, I know the Lakers are the number one seed, but I look at the Clippers and their bench and their team from top to bottom, and when firing on all cylinders, I look at the Clippers, I think, as more uh, threatening than even the Lakers are. Um and now, now you do have to say that the Clippers have had a lot of guys. I mean, Beverly's been gone. Lou Williams is out of the mix now. Montrezl Harrell's been gone. Montrezl Harrell, yeah. So, so they certainly are not uh, anywhere near full strength yet, and that's what they have the next few weeks to, to do. And who knows if it'll actually, in fact, happen. But at this point, getting out of that seven seed behooves the Mavs, in my personal opinion. So uh, playing Houston, the team that's – uh, you know, that they need to be two games better than in this little eight-game window. Uh, that's a gigantic game to start things off on Friday night. The Mets' fourth game is against the Clippers uh, yep. next Thursday. And Lou, and Lou Williams, Williams, I think, three days before, right? He'll be available for that. So, um, and, and the Clippers just absolutely destroyed the Mavs every time they played them this year. And the Mavs obviously yeah. did beat the Lakers uh, there in L.A. once. So, and the um, Mavs in Houston played twice this year, and, and the Mavs uh, you know, won a game down there uh, early in the season when Luka was just absolutely spectacular. It was the last game of the week that he won Player of the Week in November. And then Luka was hurt. Porzingis had a huge game, and the Mavs played him close but lost uh, to Houston uh, down there in late January. So, so we never even saw Houston come to American Airlines. And that second year. game, Luka was not playing? Yeah, Luka had gotten hurt in practice the day before. That was the, that was the second ankle injury, and that was the ankle injury that basically kept him out until the final game before the All-Star break. He That's right. That was the, I think, second game of microball when they just... Uh, when I they hit... Tri- yeah, Capella was hurt. Yeah, And I didn't like that it was a lot of Kleba and Porzingis in there because, you know, the whole idea of microball is yep. is to stretch those bigs and, and you want, you know, maybe quicker perimeter defenders out there. So they were going, so so refresh our memory on that. So microball for them was Harden, Westbrook, Gordon, P.J. Tucker. And, and either Covington or Rivers. Wow. Man, that's a small lineup. Yeah, they don't have anybody over 6'6". Six, six. Uh, Tucker's the five. Uh, Gordon is now starting, at least in this restart. He used to come off the bench. Uh, they're going to try to start him now. Yeah, yeah. this so, starting lineup yesterday, sorry, Brian, was Gordon, Tucker, Covington, Harden, and Westbrook. Right, and so yep. they either close with one of Covington or Rivers. If they need some defense to go along with their three-point shooting, they'll do Covington. Uh, if Rivers is hot, they'll go with him. So they, that's, their, that's their core six people. And then uh, your rotation off the bench is Daniel House, Ben McLemore, uh, Jeff Green is in the mix. By the way, the latter two had great games against Memphis yesterday. Ben McLemore had 26, and Jeff Green had 18. They played Damari Carroll a little bit for another veteran wing presence. So they played, in essence, a nine-man rotation. And, and they've got Luke, Mu- Luke Muabate, who uh, – Luke Bamute, is- yes. One Just of my favorite now, names to say, Luke Richard Bamute. And so. he is um, also has – some COVID-related issues. He's just now getting to speed. I, I doubt he'll play it all Friday. So, so the one name we didn't mention, obviously, in the rotation they had yesterday was Austin Rivers. And as Brian noted, Rivers should be back in the mix and, and uh, able to play uh, a significant chunk of minutes in the game on Friday. But, uh, but how do you feel about the, uh, about the whole standings aspect of things and moving up? And, I and, think it's essential. I think yeah. they, they've got to get out of seven um, – because come playoff time, you know, Kawhi will get that team locked in right. to play. And, and I just – I'd like them to have a better 
playoff experience and being out 4-1 in a Clipper series or something like that. And you're right. So, you know, we're going to talk about Sacramento and Phoenix here in a second. And, you know, by the time we play Milwaukee, they may be wrapped up and not be playing everybody. Sure. So, you know, it could turn out really well. But as you said and I said, they've got to beat Oklahoma City and Houston by two games. They've got yeah. to clear them by two games. There's no loss column involved. It's all winning percentage because everybody's not playing the same number of games total. Everybody's playing eight games here, but – yeah, so if Houston went four and four, Dallas would have to go six and two. Right. Or if Oklahoma City went four and four, Dallas would have to go six and two. So this yeah. is, you know, this Houston game, and it's, you know, they obviously wanted to start with sexy matchups. This is a essential game right out of the box. Yeah, it's a sexy matchup and an essential game for for the Mavs. So uh, anxious and I don't to see know how both teams look in their last scrimmage. Not that it really matters. I don't know which games are Mavs home games or right. not. Uh, but I mean, you that, have to say, look, Brian. Uh, if you if you realize that you got to be two games better than Houston, and if you lose to them in the first game, then that means so for the rest of the way, if Houston went three and four, then that means the Mavs would need to be three games better. So in the next seven games, the Mavs would have to go six and one. Right at that point, that, so that's a taller. Yeah, one, only one loss the rest of the way. So yeah, it's it's you know you you just want to get out of that seventh spot. Yep. And yep. Uh, but the next two games, you know, should be a little easier. But, you know, you never know. Phoenix is both teams are frankly a mess. I mean, they have COVID issues. They've yep. got uh, quarantine issues. Phoenix, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong with some of this, but Aaron Baines arrives today. Yeah. Monday. He, yep. Yep. Today, Monday. He's been uh, he's been on the shelf, obviously, with coronavirus. And he actually spoke to the athletic Sham Sharani. I had a, a fairly. Uh, a lengthy interview talking about uh, the trials and tribulations. Pretty bad case. Yeah, yeah. I mean, a lot of, you know, a lot of the, the focus on this has been, oh, well, it's, you know, the NBA players are great athletes, and so most of these guys aren't really suffering much, and there's, you know, they're asymptomatic or lightly symptomatic. Uh, the Aaron Baines thing sounds like that was, uh, you know, had, had much more to deal with from a health perspective. So, so who knows what his situation will be in terms of being ready to play for the yeah, game he'll on be cleared Yeah, he'll be cleared from quarantine, you know, Wednesday afternoon maybe, but having not played at all, really, yeah. I would doubt he would even play on on uh, Sunday. Ricky Rubio was a positive test for coronavirus, but he'd long since cleared quarantine and a negative test, and so he's been playing in their scrimmage games. So, uh, you know, those are the, the two aspects to look at from the, the Phoenix side of things. Uh, as we know, Devin Booker's been a thorn in the side for the Mavericks in the past. Um, so, yeah, that's a, that's – something to be very mindful of as you get ready for that game on Sunday night. Uh, Saric left uh, Sunday scrimmage with uh, uh, an ankle injury. We don't know how uh, how bad that is or if that'll keep him out for a while. Uh, Kelly Oubre is still recovering from his knee injury. That's although, right. Yep, meniscus injury back in March. Uh, yeah. He is tweeting. He's the reason that Rashawn Holmes of the Kings uh, – got Postmates delivered because <laughs> Kelly Oubre tweeted that Postmates delivers to the bubble, which, of course, was a quarantine violation. Oops. <laughs> uh, DeAndre Ayton looks in great shape and has actually even been shooting some threes. Um, but, yes, this is a team that, even though on paper, you know, they don't have a lot to play for. It would take a miracle for them to, to get into the playoff play-in game. Mm-hmm. Which is four games uh, within four games at the end of the seeding games, um, but unfortunately we're playing them early, so we're not playing them after they're mathematically eliminated. And now we now we will play them perhaps and in that scenario in the last game. Okay. Yeah. yeah remember that go. the Mavs are playing yeah. Phoenix twice, so, so they'll yeah. probably be out of it by then. 
um, but they won't be in the second game. Uh, but they do give fits. I mean, you know, Booker is, uh, like you said, is a thorn in their side. So, um, you know, I think all of the focus is on Houston, but they're going to have to be ready 24 hours later uh, to play. And then once you get done with Phoenix, then it's uh, get ready for a Tuesday afternoon game. What, what time that is like? that game? Yeah, I was about to ask you the same thing. I think, I think it's around one thirty, two o'clock, something yeah, like that. Something yeah, like that. it's a, it, it's a weird time. So forgive me for not. Uh, I'm not used to Tuesday afternoon basketball. I'm not going to lie. So that'll be that'll be different. You're going to have to move your Katy Trail workout. I uh, will have to be after the game that day against the Sacramento Kings, who have an injured Marvin Bagley, uh, Alex Lynn, who tested positive uh, during for coronavirus, as it was announced in the window of time after the. The, the the teams had all convened for mandatory workouts at the 1st of July and before they departed for Orlando. So there's been a positive coronavirus test with Alex Lynn. There's also been, as he announced himself, a positive coronavirus test for our buddy, former Maverick Harrison Barnes as well. So you're talking about uh, key components. Rashawn Holmes, big man uh, for Sacramento, as you just noted, you know, he had the uh, protocol violation. Lemon so, pepper wings. Yeah, so he's been in uh, he's been in quarantine extra time. Uh, I do bring that up because this is a player who, because of his hard rolling ability, has had some good games uh, in the past against the Mavs. So we'll see what his status is in terms of being ready to go for the game that will be played uh, between the Mavs and the Sacramento Kings in a week. But those are four players uh three or four of three of whom for sure four of whom maybe all would have been rotation guys for Sacramento uh you know Barnes and Bagley would have been and and Lynn and or Holmes one or the other presumably would have been rotation players as well so Sacramento uh may be pretty pretty darn shorthanded uh that doesn't mean of course that there still aren't other threats there we all know that De'Aaron Fox has played well against uh, uh Dallas and so has Buddy Heald and uh Bogdanovich as well uh, Barnes and Holmes will play their first action in Monday's scrimmage for the Kings. They are going to play. Okay. Yes. All right. And Fox just returned to action Saturday. He missed their first game, but yeah, he had a little, uh, he had another ankle injury, I believe. And Jabari and Heel just got cleared last week. So, uh, you know, the Mavericks, as you mentioned, even with Maxie and others, uh, have been pretty good on the injury front in terms of the players available. Uh, the Kings are, starting late with a lot of their players. So they're not going to be really 100% uh, come Tuesday uh, for that game. Of course, you do have the X Factor, Yogi Ferrell, who's on the Kings. Yes, sir. Uh, So (laughs) watch out when he hits the court for his seven minutes of play. Um, But, you know, as we remember from earlier in the year, uh, Mavericks killer Bielitsa is still there. They've got That's right. Bogdanovich still there. Yeah, Bielitsa was huge when that game that uh, Sacramento won in early December here yes. at American Airlines Center. Yeah, Bielitsa, I think, had a career high, as a matter of fact, that night. And and Heald has certainly had his fair share of games. I guess they played each other twice this year, three times this year. And Dallas is 2-1 in the series, having lost a home game. And then they won out there in January and uh, won a game against Sacramento right before the All-Star break at American Airlines Center and won that one fairly easily. That was the one game this year that uh, was not a down-to-the-wire game between the teams. And Sacramento obviously trying to get uh, that last playoff spot, and they're in a fierce battle with a few other teams to kind of stay within four games, and and you have to be the top team of that. There's not a tournament. It's going to only be two teams playing. 
Uh, so they're going to have a lot to play for. And, and early on, they're trying to be... try, trying to break. By the way, I'm sorry, Brian. The longest playoff drought right now in the NBA. They haven't been since 2006. And uh, you know, if, if they don't make it this year, uh, and then and we're not to get into the playoffs next year, I mean, they're threatening the longest playoff drought in NBA history, which I believe is the 76 to 91 Buffalo Braves, San Diego Clippers, L.A. Clippers, who went that that 15 year run without making the playoffs. Minnesota threatened it. I believe that Sacramento is tied right now for the recent drought that the Minnesota Timberwolves had for the second longest time between playoff appearances and NBA history. Uh, and they'll be alone in second place uh, if they make it a 14th straight year this year that they, they miss out on going to the playoffs. Well, follow up. We did four and a half months of Mavs content. We did. With no games. I don't know how we did it. I don't either. But I don't did. either. We did it because uh, you, have, uh, you have the bat phone to Dirk and the bat phone to Cuban and uh, the, the massive Rolodex that you have. So I thank you for that. I well, appreciate that. And thank you for, uh, for your infinite wisdom that's stuck in that follow-all head of yours for random information. But in just a few days, we will have real basketball. We've got one more scrimmage Tuesday night on Fox Sports Southwest. And then uh, obviously ESPN's got the Friday night game, but you're saying Fox Sports has it as well. Yes, yeah. Southwest is going to do – we'll do every regular, se- regular season game or seeding games as they're te- technically being referred to. And we'll do the first round of the playoffs also. So uh, – you know, uh, very, very much looking forward to it, understanding that, uh, you know, we're, we're still in, uh, you know, difficult times in America for a lot of reasons. Um, but, but looking forward to, to basketball being back out there. And I know a lot of MFFLs are as well because uh, we had over 13, a high of 13,000 viewers during the first scrimmage online. At a time. Yeah. And, uh, and that's with the game on NBA TV. Yeah. We had 5,000 people, I think, was the highest number watching the stream on Sunday afternoon in the game against the Pacers. So, man, we're ready. And uh, you and I will be joined by our good buddy Jake Kemp Friday. We'll do a preview show at 7 p.m. on the ticket, and we'll be back after every single game until the Mavs stop playing on the postgame show as well. Yes, sir. Yeah, and we'll be doing 77 Minutes of Heaven frequently that you can listen to here on the Athletic Podcast Network. So join us next week when we talk about real basketball. Thanks for joining us. It's a wrap.